Welcome to the Woodwards Filmcast with Mitch Abba and Colin Ward. Let's go and make the greatest movie ever! Yeah! All right, camera! What the hell is going on? What a piece of junk! That's really not the case here. This is a great script. Look, here's the mic. Now you talk towards it. Here's your host, Kale Davidoff. Hey everyone, welcome to the Woodward's Filmcast, your Detroit podcast for film, TV, news, and discussion. We're here, I'm back in Los Angeles after a little bit of a trip in Detroit where we got back together and did one podcast on Star Wars, The Last Jedi. My name is Kale Davidoff. I'm here with my friends in Detroit. Mitch Haba. (laughs) And I'm Colin. I'm Colin. Ward. Me, Mitch, and Colin, we get together every week and we discuss a movie, and then we also talk about some film, TV, and news and stuff like that, and we also give some recommendations at the end of the show. Today, we're going to mainly talk about three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri, or as my mom might call it, three advertisements outside of Jackson, Mississippi. She changes the name of the of the city every time she brings it up. Um <laughs> We're also going to talk about just the other things that we've seen. Um, I know you guys have seen way more movies than I have over the holiday break. I was uh, a little too busy catching up and seeing people and checking off things I had to do. Um, but we'll talk about everything that we've seen. Um, but, but let's get into news first, which is mostly uh, Colin to tell it's um, award season. It is. And uh, I watched all of the Golden Globes on my way back from Los Angeles on an airplane. Oh, that was which, some, which, must have been a really depressing flight. Yeah, that, I, I didn't know you could I do know, that. It's kind of awesome. It's kind of the best way to fly back from uh, Detroit. Was I watched the end of one NFL playoff game, and then uh, the Golden Globes. And by the time I landed, it was over because hmm. it was like four hours long. Is that like live TV? Yeah, it's really cool. They have it now for that's, some flights. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't know. know I didn't know they did. Really that. cool idea. I don't know why they haven't done that. Just probably like I, you know, it's like they had the technology to do this years ago. I don't know why it never happened. But no. um, yeah, so I watched it. Did you guys watch the Golden Globes? No. Unfortunately, did I Wait, did. Mitch, did, did you not? I did not. No, I was doing other stuff, and then I kind of forgot it was on. I don't know. Something about the Golden Globes I'm just like not interested in anymore. I, I look at the uh, results later, and yeah. I decide... Like, oh, all right, this is something I should pay attention to. I think I never used to watch till we did this podcast, which I'm grateful for because it's a cool. I do actually, I do enjoy watching the Golden Globes since we since we started this, um, and I and I I enjoyed this one. I don't know, I'm a big Seth Meyers fan. I know he like kind of disappeared after the first monologue, but um, Colin, you watch him every year, every every year of your life, right? Mm-hmm. And and like progressively, I get like more and more drunk every year I watch it. So do the actors, I think. <laughs> but that—that that was my problem this year. Not didn't seem like this year. No, it did, didn't. Which is, I mean, I love a good political statement. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> uh, but oh god, when every speech is a political statement, it is not fun to watch. Well, and every—I mean, everyone wore. You know, there was the whole night was a political statement. Yeah, in a way. But like to me, it's like what is always the highlight of my Golden Globe watching 
it is when one or two actors give that political speech. Mm-hmm. Right. When everyone does it, it takes away its like specialness to me. Yeah. I mean, well, obvi- obviously, Oprah's speech is incredible. Say, when, when you have when you have Oprah giving a speech, everyone else's speeches kind of don't matter anyway. Yeah, so. yeah. I like. I mean, I watch three, four award shows a year. I like to be entertained by it. I'm all on board with you know, the Times Up movement. Wearing black, that's fine. With like, that's badass. Like, yeah, absolutely. But at the end of the day, I do want to be entertained. Mm-hmm. So you you weren't entertained. No, I mean Seth Meyers. I mean, his opening monologue was good. It was about like five minutes too long, probably, <laughs> and then therefore the rest of the night was felt really rushed. Well, didn't he? Am I wrong in saying this that it seemed like there was noticeably less of him compared to other hosts? Oh, absolutely. But and I Why think that's because that? he was like fully stocked in the in the in the beginning and then uh-huh. he did a, he did like a, like a 17 minute monologue at the start and then nicole kidman had like a 17 minute speech at the start and i just think they were <laughs> they were yeah. behind the rest of the night it i mean it, there must i didn't watch it of course but i didn't see like any you know usually the host will come out and deliver a bunch of jokes and they're like "Ooh, that was a good one remember this one and whatnot and you see those clips later but this time around it I didn't see anything about his monologue and whether it was funny or not, or I think it's just cause it was overshadowed by the by Oprah, Oprah thing. Yeah. And there was no funny bits between presenters either, but it's also a really long show. Like they not only go through movie awards, I mean, they don't get as detailed as like sound and whatnot, mm-hmm. but they go through the, all the movie awards, screenplays, uh, directors, writers, best picture, it just never ends. And then you also have to do TV. Right. So it's, it's very weird it's, that it's they, long. <laughs> that they include score in this one, but not anything else. I know. Isn't that, it is, that's funny. Like, cause that, that's a technical award. Yeah. It seems, it seems, I mean, yeah, it's technical, but it, it seems like they're awarding things that have to do with like the emotion and of the film, like the whole picture of it. It's like, oh, the music was good in that is not the same as like, wow, the sound design was <laughs> delightful. Well, it should it should be at the same, you know. Yeah. It's not just like, oh wow, I liked the violins in that movie. I have yeah, a feeling true. it's like from back in the day when like composers were like famous people and like yeah. famous people would get up and speak, but now like composers aren't as unfortunately revered as they were. Right. Well, well, on the list of composers here, though, it just seemed to be all the ones that people know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> That's what Giacchino, really Desplat, like, <laughs> Zimmer. Yeah. Hans Zimmer and John Williams. Um, <clears throat> Colin, do you want to take us through some of the winners? <laughs> I can do that. Can I make a statement on the fashion, though? Oh. Sure. I, again, I love a political statement. I love that everyone got on board and wore black. Except but, for that one lady. But she was the president of the Golden Globes, right? Oh, I didn't know that. The one in like the yeah. Indian. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. If oh, I thought Indian. there was a woman wearing a red dress too. Oh, I wanted to see her. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know who it was, but I saw that there was a woman wearing a red dress. The people over at my place were like, who is going to be the one person who didn't get the memo this evening? <laughs> but uh, so I love that. But then as a person who is interested in fashion and like seeing fashion 
it got really bored on the red carpet. Yeah. Because everyone's in black. And I get it. I get why everyone's in black. It's great. But, like, again, as someone who wants to be entertained, I want to see someone wearing a ridiculous thing. I want to see someone dragged up and looking... Just black underwear. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Black Speedo. (laughs) Yeah, that would be... I'm wearing this in solidarity. Uh, everyone involved in the Me Too uh, protests, um, just going minimal with it. <laughs> but I think it was on on Howard Stern. He said, "You can't really wear a titty dress when you're promoting the, the, <laughs> the Times Up right. campaign." <laughs> Sir, you have a hard on. Uh, well, you know, I'm just hard on for uh, equality and uh, non harassment. <laughs> Please go sit down. Please go sit down. But that, yeah, I mean, okay, so that that's my that was my takeaway from. So, do you think uh, Oprah's gonna run? I love Oprah. I hope to God she doesn't. Yeah, it'd be pretty <laughs> awful. You know what? I hope. You know, I don't. I don't want her to run, but I do want her to be the Democratic response to the State of the Union. Hmm. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. Yeah. Instead of some old guy in a bar like they did last year. <laughs> who, was, um, who was last year? It wasn't really, quote unquote, the State of the Union last year, but, uh, you know, it was just some weird. It had some, like, old guy in, like, a diner in, like, Kentucky. It was really weird. <laughs> I think I recall that. Yeah. That's... Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be great if Oprah responded to the State of the Union? Yeah, I'm all for that. It would be weird, I must say. Huh. It would really grind his gears. It would. <laughs> he would immediately start tweeting about it. Like, yeah. I got to get home and watch the response. <laughs> um, I Yeah. Oprah's I a total want... failure. <laughs> total failure. Very overrated. No one watches her show. <laughs> She's not like me, who's definitely more richer and better than her. <laughs> I could give everyone a car. <laughs> But, I mean, when we're talking about billionaires, at least Oprah can actually say she was self-made. So, mm-hmm. very true. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so, Colin, you want to take us through the, the awards, the winners? Yeah, yeah. The, uh, we'll start on like the, the TV side where the, uh, the big winner was Big Little Lies. Um, taken home, supporting actor uh, for Alexander Skarsgård, supporting actress for Laura Dern, lead actress for Nicole Kidman, and best tv uh, limited series or motion picture tv drama uh did you you guys watch big little lies oh hell yeah it's great it's i have not i haven't gotten to everything it it won it's really good yeah yeah i mean laura dern is like really small in it but she's also laura dern so she won (laughs) but no everyone's fantastic in it nicole kidman maybe gives the best performance i've ever seen nicole kidman give uh it came out like a year ago too mm-hmm. and right. it is incredibly timely right now huh. yeah i mean it kind of was when it came out too but right now it's like even more so which is kind of weird so is it gonna be like i know there's a second season coming is it gonna think you think it's gonna be the same characters or you think it's gonna be like a serial like where they'll do a different type of story i mean they they left it on a cliffhanger but it's only based it was based on the book and that's how like the book 
ends. Hmm. So well, I mean, doesn't the handmaid's ta- or handmaid's tale also end where the book ends? I don't know. It does. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so they're gonna they're gonna do more. Uh, they're, they're gonna do more. So I, yeah, I could see why they would just continue on with the story. Yeah. It's the hard a- part would just be getting all those actors back together. Yeah. But I mean, it sounds like they had a good time doing it. So let me know. Okay. Cool. But um, on the TV drama side, Handmaid's Tale. Is the big winner of that with taking home best drama series and also Elizabeth Moss taking home best actress in a drama series, which I have a beef with that. Not her performance. Her performance is great. Do you, are you aware that she's a Scientologist? Um, no. Like hard Scientologist. Really? And then she gives a speech about like how abusing people and using power over people and how this show is like not yeah like like this show like can't come to life and then the whole time i'm watching her speech i'm like you're a fucking scientologist right which was built on abuse yeah right that's That's kind of sad i didn't know about that how come no one's tweeting about that they are are they oh yeah who is this again elizabeth moss Oh yeah, yeah. She is a Scientologist. Yeah, she's fucking great in yeah the show, like incredible. But it's just like, and I'm, I mean, I'm. She 100 percent deserves to win. But then when you get up and give that speech, it's, it's like, a little weird. Oh wait, well, mm. yeah, that's ironic yeah. or hypocritical. Um, but it's a it's a cult. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's a new new religion, as I like to call them. Uh, also on the TV side, uh, the marvelous Miss Maisel. Yeah, does anyone know this? Does, I mean, I, I, I've seen like promos for it in light in in you know re- relating to the reward season, but like, have you guys watched this? Like, what what I is it? Not. I don't even know anything about it. I watched the first episode um, the day after the Golden Globes. I heard it's really and good. It, it is good. It, I really is it liked like it. Mary Poppins. No. It's about it's about uh, I don't know what it is. It's about a uh, female comedian in the fifties, um, oh. who you know, so like Lenny Bruce and a bunch of other like famous comedians are characters in the in the show. So, I think I read that the actress modeled her character off Joan Rivers. Okay. Yeah, and I hear it's hilarious. Like all all the people I know on like the comedy world out here, they love it. And my family loves it too. I just haven't started it yet. Yeah, no, I'm. I really like the first episode. I'm definitely going to continue watching it. Um, it's funny. It's really like the production on it is really good too. It's set in the '50s, so like it looks really nice. Mm-hmm. And it's just like really from the first episode, really endearing and really charming and really nice. Has anyone? I'm just looking at the other musical and comedy TV series that were nominated. Have you guys seen Smilf? No, it's on Showtime. So I've, I've heard yeah. things about it, and it's all over LA, like Billboard wise. And uh, what does that stand for? Stepmother? I think single mother. Hmm. What's the ILF stand for? <laughs> Do I have to, Kale? Colin. I love 
fingering. What's the L stand for? <laughs> That's even worse. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. What I, about, I didn't even notice this during the show. Will and Grace was nominated? Yes. Of course. It's the Golden Globes, man. I don't get it. What, on, well, what does that mean? Is, is Smooth they, by Santana going to be nominated <laughs> for the Grammys this year? I mean, who doesn't love Rob Thomas and <laughs> Santana? <laughs> You know, it's, it's. I knew that there was a revival coming. It's already on. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's, it's like been halfway on. over. Yeah, it's been on for a few months now. Oh, you I don't haven't... watch it every week. Oh, oops. <laughs> no, do you? Yes, of course I do. Really? Yeah. Is it good? It's really good. It's like it feels just like Will and Grace. There's not another musical or comedy TV series that's better than that. Can you name one? The Good Place. Mm. Probably the good place. I haven't. I've watched one episode. I, I, that I, show is very funny. It's right. On, it's it's bef- comes on right before Will and Grace. Yeah, I'll talk about it in our weekly recommends. Um, <laughs> Monthly recommends. Ex girlfriend. Is that show. still is that still a thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's a really well written show. Okay. I don't watch it, but it's good and it's also a comedy. And since they shoehorn musical too. That's what I meant. And since they shoehorn. Uh, the only musical that's ever made in the theaters every year into the best <laughs> musical or comedy movie section. Why can't they, you know, say, oh, look, we have to throw a musical TV show in there. Uh, anyways. Wait, so it wasn't it. nominated? You're saying? Crazy mm-hmm. Ex-Girlfriend? No. For TV? No. No. Yeah, that's stupid. Why? Well, just, I I'm like Will and Grace. <laughs> <laughs> sounds like I really hate Will and Grace. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I haven't watched some, any of someone it. Someone who watches the OC like religiously. Hey, it's Dawson's Creek now. <laughs> oh boy. Um, I'm just surprised, and also just the picture on the on the Golden Globes website looks like it's the Will and Grace photo from 1998 or whenever that show was on. I feel like that's the point. Is it? Aren't there a lot of like Trump jokes in it? Yeah, it's more political so, now, but it's like still like. They snap right back into their characters. It's so- is is it just is it just, do they act like they? I mean, I don't know. I'm sort of fascinated by that, especially like I'm also really fascinated by the Roseanne. Yeah, yeah. Episode. I saw. I finally saw a TV spot for that. And I was she's like, fucking crazy. What is she doing? She's is she so trying crazy. to get people not to watch the show? She's insane. I don't know if you ever look at her Twitter page. What do you mean? What did, what did she do something recently, or is this always? She's like a she's a trumpet. Is she really? And before she was like she, for like Bernie and then like Jill Stein, right? Yeah, she's super insane. Oh, like okay, that's odd. A little bit. Those are three people that just <laughs> nothing to do with, huh? Well, I mean, Roseanne the, when it was on originally in the early '90s, it was about like you know, a middle-class family that struggled and like they weren't, they weren't happy with like what was going on with George HW Bush. Now I'm just curious what they'll do with this one. Like, well, they say that in the show, she's, she's a, you know, they talk about how much they love Trump. I guess. Hmm. Life imitating art. Well, art imitating life. We'll see. Maybe they bring some humanity to something. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I don't know. That chance. Yeah. Well, who knows? Anyways. Maybe the maybe it'll be about them realizing they made a mistake. Not mm. to get into that territory, but 
You made a well, mistake. <laughs> anyways, uh, I think it's just it, it's funny that Will and it, you know we got the X Files now. We got Will and Grace. We got. Did uh, you watch Will and Grace when it was like originally on? No. It's it's a legit funny show. No, I know. I'm not dogging Will and Grace. I'm just dogging the fact that it's to me it's not a current TV show. Do you know what I mean? In my mind, mm-hmm. it's I like a. You. In my mind, it's like seeing. Uh, you know. Will and Grace so I guess, nominated. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> it's exactly what. <laughs> it's like seeing an, like them giving an award for Cheers. All of our ten listeners, are, I'm gonna get so much hate mail for this. <laughs> What the fuck is Kale's problem with Willie Grace? <laughs> Anyways, let's move on. What else was there? What else? What else was nominated? Uh, let's see here. Um, and one. Well, have we gotten to the movies part yet? No, no. That was that was the <laughs> was TV. Say, where, where, that was the TV right stuff. We've only gotten to the, to the <laughs> revival section of the, of the Grammy. Um, or what oh, is I, sh- I should I should note that uh, Sterling <laughs> K. Brown won uh, drama actor Aziz Ansari won comedy actor. And I think that is all I needed to say about that. Okay. Yeah. Wait, what? What? Wait, what won, Brown. He won for "This Is Us." Yeah. Yeah. And um, he, he, I think he also gave one of the better speeches of the night. Oh, he seemed like the best person ever. Yeah. Yeah. Did you? You said "Big Little Lies" won best drama. It won um, best TV limited series or motion picture. So what won TV. best drama series? Uh, do they do that or? Handmaid's Tale. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I hope that um, they're doing a season two of Big Little Lies, right? Yeah, way to be like ten minutes late. <laughs> yeah, to I, this I, discussion joke. I, uh, <laughs> bigger little I, lies. Yeah, no, bigger smaller lies is what they should call Big it. Big little medium. Bigger smaller lies. <laughs> right. Bigger smaller fake news. <laughs> <laughs> On the movie side. Ooh. We, the big winner of the night was three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri, taking mm-hmm. home awards for supporting actor, screenplay, actress, and best picture drama, taking home four awards there. It didn't take director. No, it did not. Best director went to, uh, um, I know who it is. Um, gosh, Guillermo del Toro. Greta Van. Guillermo uh, for Shape of Water. Um, I did like when uh, Natalie was it Natalie Portman mm-hmm. who, who said like, and here are the all male dir- uh, director nominees. Yeah, the, and the, Ron Howard just started laughing. <laughs> like the, like yeah. the nicest guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <the>, <laughs> they cut to every director, and their faces are like, ooh, really uncomfortable. I didn't choose this. <laughs> I know, which is uh, which is unfortunate because like most of the directors, I mean, well, she got a pretty good applause after. Yeah, but like. It's like you feel bad like Christopher Nolan like worked his fucking ass off and then like she like yeah. digs at him for like I mean right she's not wrong but like There's, it, it made five dis- like also people who like worked very hard for their jobs feel uncomfortable yeah well there there yeah I mean there's only five spaces too so yeah can include yeah, everyone but, you know it is just really bizarre that Lady Bird wins absolutely no like and she can't even be nominated as yeah, best director right. yeah i no, mean she won totally agree i mean she I mean, does steven spielberg really need that nomination no and i don't i mean i'm not talking about the movie i'm just you know yeah just like did ridley scott need it a movie that the hollywood foreign press didn't even see yeah that's ridiculous what did he direct 
all the money in the world. Oh, right. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. They didn't uh, even see it. Okay. No. <laughs> well, that just goes to show that Golden Globes is all a, you know, marketing and, and yeah, like phony extravaganza of sharing and, and giving gifts. It's just a joke. Yeah. So you can't take this too seriously. I, I, I know, like, we're going to talk about Three Billboards Outside of Ebbing, Missouri, but I would be extremely shocked if that took home Best Picture or Best Screenplay. It probably won't because I think the backlash it's going to get for being under the intense scrutiny now that it is, now that yeah, considered the front runner at yeah, this point. Yeah, it's like a curse now that yeah. they've popped up and people are like, hey, wait a minute, yeah. let's talk about this movie, mm-hmm. um, which we'll talk about soon. Uh, let's see. Some of the other ones. Best original song went to The Greatest Showman. Um, to Bullshit. Every, to everyone's surprise. Bullshit. Yep. Re- Remember Me and uh, Coco is a beautiful song. And it's very short, but like the not the Miguel and whatever like remix for mm-hmm. the, for mm-hmm. the radio, which is still an okay song. But the original is only, what, like a minute and a half long? Just him and a guitar. It's great. Um, let's see. Score went to Shape of Water, Alexander Desplant. Okay. Screenplay, uh, as I said before, went to Three Billboards for Martin McDougall's. McDonough. 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 Um, his screenplay. Director Guillermo del Toro, act, supporting actor Sam Rockwell. Supporting actress went to Allison Janney for Itania. They love them some Janney. They do. She is really good in it. Um, it's. Definitely still a toss-up, I think, between Laurie and Metcalf and Allison Janning, but both of them are really great. Both interesting moms. Mm-hmm. Um, Speaking of Roseanne. <laughs> the foreign language film went to In the Fade. Um, which what country is that? I feel like it's Germany. Is it about sick fades? Germany, France. Germany, France? Germany, <laughs> <laughs> if they had their way <laughs> <laughs> German friends um, best <laughs> animated film was Coco of course can, um, can we just talk about how the boss baby is a, a Golden Globes nominated <laughs> movie right just gonna uh, throw that out there someone actually watched that on the plane when I came back like not a not a kid not ironically yeah not a kid either Ew. interesting Maybe they were, uh, maybe they had to get it out of the way. <laughs> I mean, they, if they're working maybe in they the entertainment industry, it, yeah. Um, James Franco won um, comedy actor and so gave I, a very uncomfortable. Yeah, so speech. I did see that speech. It was very weird. Um, I felt like he should have, like, he didn't really thank Tommy, who was up there with him. He brought Tommy Wiseau up there, and he should have been like, you know what? Like, this wouldn't be a thing. I wouldn't have this if it weren't for you. And he should have just given Tommy Wiseau that moment, you know? Like, just for the the shit, you know, just for the fuck of it. Just to be like, here you go. Like, like yeah, why say even, something. Why even bring him up there if you're not going to, like... Yeah. Let him talk, yeah. you know? And same thing with his brother. Yeah. I mean, it was a complete, like, bro-out moment. Right. Where, where I don't think any women in my speech, just the guys. Right. Now, now look what happens. Yeah, <laughs> I I th- I mean I think the win is deserved. He was very good in it. Um, we'll talk about that some more because we're going to talk about the disaster artist briefly in this episode. 
Uh, Best Actress Comedy went to... um, God, I always pronounce her name right, and now it's escaping me how I do it. Sersha. 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 For Lady Bird Best Actress Comedy. Uh, Lady Bird also won Best uh, Musical or Comedy Picture. Gary Oldman won Best Actor in a Drama. Frances McDormand, like I said, won Actress. And Three Billboards won Best Picture Drama as well. And that is all. That was the um, interesting night. Yeah. And so I was really surprised Three Billboards. I mean, I was surprised that Three Billboards won, but I'm also not surprised that it won because it is the Hollywood Foreign Press. And of course, like the foreign press would be like kind of oblivious to like the racial politics that this movie yeah. like does right. and doesn't address. Yeah. I think they're just blinded by star power pretty much. I mean, like look at all these actors that we've given awards to in the past and, or have nominated in the past and so pretty. And this says something about race, but I don't know what, (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I thought I honestly, I mean, I, I don't think the post should have won, but I 100% thought the post was going to win. Yeah. It seems seems like that was its movie this year to like clean up awards because people like and it's a movie about the press and it's the Hollywood Foreign yeah. Press yeah right. okay but entertainment press is not <laughs> is not investigative journalism I know but I mean it's still a movie about but I wouldn't put it I wouldn't journalism. put it past the Hollywood Foreign Press Association to think that they are exactly. as important exactly exactly so that's a good I, I, I mentioned in the uh, group chat that I think that Dunkirk's going to drag its feet through award season because it's not a topical film in any way. And I think that right now people want some sort of topical meaning to their to their movies. Um, I just say that just because like I if I really look back on the year, like the most well-made movie I think I saw was probably Dunkirk. Yeah. And uh, I just feel I kind of feel bad because I feel like it's not going to get the recognition. I think it might I get mean, it will in the technical awards at the mm-hmm. Oscars probably. Yeah, but, I mean, um, it's going to be nominated for best picture. It probably yeah. will be nominated for best director, and then it's going to be nominated for like all the technical awards. Yeah, yeah but it's not going to like it has no chance of winning director or picture, right? Yeah. Unfortunately, not. Right. No, and, why, and I think it's because it's not really, you know. It's not re- resonating with the psyche right now. Yeah. I think we're, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also, I mean, I wasn't, I liked the movie, but I wasn't as like keen on it, I guess. I'm not, I don't, um, I don't think it's as good as some people are saying. Uh, the visual effects and the spectacle of it are really the most important and noteworthy things of it. Otherwise, it's kind of like, I'm like, ah, I, take, I can take it or leave it, uh, to be honest. So I I guess it doesn't feel it feels like such a small isolated like moment in that time in history. It doesn't yeah. feel like it feels like a separate scene in a movie about like World War Two or that time. Um, right. That's just me. I you know. Well, it does feel like that, but that's that's kind of why I found it interesting. Yeah, like exactly. It felt yeah. different, like a different kind of war movie. Right, but mm-hmm. we we've also talked about how it, the like the thing he does with time makes no sense. Like the, it wasn't necessary. Well, I I didn't think it made no sense. Yeah, <laughs> I thought it made we, no we sense. We talked about it. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, don't know. we can, and 
just to compare, I mean, the movie Darkest Hour, Hour with Gary Oldman, like the crux of it is about Dunkirk and yeah. how that happened. And so like... Compendium piece. Yeah, it, it, it really is. But then like, I'm being like, oh, I saw like Dunkirk like explained to me and like saw it 100% better in the movie Dunkirk but than what Darkest Hour did where it tried to like just tell you everything as opposed to Dunkirk which just showed you everything and hardly told you anything and I still learned more from it. Uh. Interesting. Hmm. All right. Is that all for news today? Well, let's quickly, what was different about the Critics' Choice Awards, uh, Colin? Which is kind of similar, right? In terms of... Yeah, it's a a much larger voting body um, where it's all film and uh, TV journalists as opposed to the Hollywood Foreign Press, which I think is like 80-something members. Um, The acting categories all stayed the same. Um, Francis uh, winning actress, Rockwell supporting... Uh, Gary Ullman winning actor and um, Allison Janning winning supporting. Uh, Guillermo del Toro won best director, but Shape of Water also won best picture that evening. Interesting. They also do technical awards during the Critics' mm. Choice. Um, I find that interesting because um, I do think Shape of Water is the better is a better film. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll get we'll get into that. Original screenplay went to Get Out, adapted screenplay. Also interesting. Went to Call Me By Your Name. Uh, Cinematography was for Blade Runner. Production design was Shape of Water. Both of those. Editing was Baby Driver. Costume was Phantom Thread. That makes sense. Oh, wow. All these are lining up pretty good. (laughs) (laughs) Hair, makeup, Darkest Hour, visual effects, War of the Planet of the Apes. Hmm. Um, Let's see. Anything else? Score with Shape of Water. That's okay, it. yeah. All those actually line up pretty well. No gu- no Dunkirk, though. No. Hmm. No Dunkirk. Um, well, let's, why don't we talk about, before we go into Three Billboards, um, just quickly, what else have we seen? Um, you guys should start, because it's only one movie for me outside of Three Billboards. But what did, what did you guys see so, so far? So, Colin and I both saw... And, 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 and you know, don't necessarily... I kind of want to hear what you think, but also, you know, things like Shape of Water and stuff, I'm going to probably see, so maybe we can well, we, save, save in depth. We will not go in depth for any of yeah, these. Yeah, um, right. But yes, we did see The Shape of Water, so here's a clip from that. She deaf? Mute, sir. She can hear you. You clean that lab, you get out. This may very well be the most sensitive asset ever to be housed in this facility. You may think that thing looks human. Stands on two legs, right? But we're created in the Lord's image. You don't think that's what the Lord looks like, do you? Colin, what did you think of The Shape of Water? I absolutely adored The Shape of Water. Uh, It is incredibly charming and... It's what I expected from Guillermo del Toro, but also totally unexpected. The amount of like cute, using the word charming again, details that are in this movie. I like the word whimsical. Yeah, exactly. It is so great. I mean, it's not, I wouldn't say as 
fantasiful. Is that a word? As something like Pan's Labyrinth was, which fantastic. Yeah, that that's a good word. <laughs> uh, it, it's way more like realistic, but also with like a whimsical touch to it. Mm-hmm. The design is great. The acting is incredible across the board. The makeup and creature creation is fantastic. It is a wonderful movie. Yeah, I found it to be um, an extremely beautiful film. Uh, the main character, Sally... By, played by Sally Hawkins, who is uh, Elsa, or is it Zelda? No, uh-huh. Zelda is Octavia Spencer's character. Oh, is it? God, what's her name? Um, Eliza. Eliza. It's funny. There was like I, I recently saw an American in Paris in theaters, and the main character's name is Eliza, <clears throat> and <clears throat> excuse me. And there's themes in this movie that have to do with like Broadway and like mm-hmm. tap dancing and stuff. It was very odd. Eliza was the main. Uh, character in it um so i i drew that connection which was odd but i th- i found it to be extremely beautiful like you said the art direction won an award it's totally deserved um it just looks and feels like a guillermo del toro film in design the way it's shot the lighting the tone it's it's mixed with moments that are extremely funny and heartfelt while also having like very grotesque and dark moments as mm-hmm. well that um Guillermo del Toro is kind of known for, especially in a film like this. It's very, to me too, extremely timely with some of the it things is. it's saying. And I don't want to say them to spoil it for Kale or yeah. for anyone that's listening that hasn't seen it. But the way that characters approach situations mm-hmm. and what, you know, how you would handle something is extremely timely. Um, mm-hmm. which I thought was like a, just a beautiful under message that Del Toro and the screenwriters used. Uh, it's 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 a, it's a beautiful film, and Del Toro always has a way of creating a strong, interesting, you know, female protagonist, and he, he doesn't disappoint in this movie. Yeah, and Sally Hawkins, oh my God, she's really good in it. She has a ton of scenes that are played so well. Um I wish I wish she would win Best Actress, to mm-hmm. be totally honest, mm-hmm. uh, but it's probably not going to happen. Um, I d- about the like timeliness of it. I thought the movie has a lot to say about like masculinity mm-hmm. and how like really masculine men in that era are like kind of making things worse, and they just don't understand the world around them or like what is actually happening there they have no empathy michael shannon's character is really good um well not he's not good but he does a really good job in it as playing this like government man who just is takes no shit and is um kind of crazy <laughs> uh but i i i kind of reminded me of the last jedi's theme mm-hmm. yeah which is really strange to say absolutely but the theme of like ignoring what is going on in the outside world and not like trying to put yourself like in that situation to make a change. Cause if you're not making a change at anything, then um, you're culpable, I guess. And there are similar themes in it to that um, with Richard Jenkins character as this, um, this uh, gay like art designer or uh, copy designer, graphic designer, excuse me. Um, 
and uh, yeah, there's just a lot of great characters and acting, and the music is incredible, and I, I highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Richard Jenkins is really good. Yeah, He's everybody's really good. really good in it. Like Michael Stuhlbarg mm-hmm. is in it. Um, Octavia Spencer. That guy's in everything right he now. He is in everything. He's is in the post. Too. Yeah. No, um, no, he's in Calling by My Name, Calling by Your Name. Mm-hmm. It seems, yeah, it seems like a lot of actors are in a lot of movies that are considered for award season. Even like Timothy Chalamet is in mm-hmm. a bunch of movies. Lucas Hedges, yeah. Yep. So casting collusion. <laughs> So I, they have good agents. That's what it is. Um, so I totally recommend The Shape of Water. And Kale, you should see that as soon as possible. Absolutely. Right. One of my favorites of the year. Yep. 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 So we also... Kale, did you see Lady Bird? I did not see Lady Bird. Well, we saw Lady Bird. And here's a clip from that. I want to go where culture is, but like New York. Or at least snob. Connecticut or New Hampshire, really, where writers live in the get woods. Get into those schools anyway. Mom, you can't even pass your driver's test. Because you wouldn't let me practice The way enough. that you work, or the or the way that you don't work, you're not even worth state tuition, Christine. My name is Lady Bird. Uh, well, actually, it's not, and it's ridiculous. Call me Lady Bird like Christine. you said you would. Just, you should just go to City College. You know, with your work ethic, just go to City College, and then to jail, and then back to City College, and then maybe you'd learn to pull yourself up and not expect everybody to do everything. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end there... Lady Bird jumps out of her car. <laughs> um, yeah, well, it's in the like the first scene in the movie. Yeah, it's also in the trailer. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I I'll start. I fucking loved Lady Bird. Lady Bird was very funny and um, amazing performances. It shows that uh, Saoirse Ronan can do a comedic role and do it really well. Um, and you know, it, it's one of those coming of age stories that. Uh, will stand the test of time forever. Uh, it's set in 2003? I thought 90s. No, it was set in 2003. I don't think I re- so, because Dave Matthews plays a very crucial role. Yeah. 2003. <laughs> oh. I remember I remember them saying specifically it was 2003. Um, and I think it was in like the t- a title card. But uh, this movie could have been really sappy, and like fault in our stars level of like emotion and drama. Um, but I think the fact that Greta Gerwig directed it and like her background, it's totally grounds the film and every character feels completely real despite like some of the really funny kind of non like absurd moments in it. Um, so yeah, I, I think that just the realism completely changed my perception of the film and uh, everybody felt very real and, actualized and i i totally recommend it yeah absolutely um another one of my favorites of of the year for sure mm-hmm. uh performances across the board are great um saoirse ronan i've never seen her better laureen metcalf it would have my vote for supporting actress she's equal parts funny and heartbreaking yeah uh tracy letts who plays her dad is also really really great in this movie mm-hmm. um screenplay by Gerwig and then it's also her first time directing it's such an assured and focused piece that it's shocking that it is her first mm-hmm. her first directorial effort um it's it's really fantastic i mean like you said Mitch it's you know a, a movie about growing up 
that we've seen a hundred times, but it feels so fresh and so different, even being set in the not so distant past. Um, yeah, it, it's 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 really great, and I've never seen a movie in recent memory that really depicts an honest, real seeming relationship between a mother and her daughter. Yeah, that was the most realistic relationship in a film I've seen in a long time. Um, and I, I think there's like a, a good theme in it of uh, a parent doesn't like have to like their kid, <laughs> but she does love her kid because um, they fight constantly. But it's just like, I know, I know people like that, like her, like that mom. So I, yeah, there's a clip and they, they've showed the clip on the award shows and everything. There's a clip of them fighting in a, Salvation Army or yeah. Goodwill and they're fighting and then they immediately like pick up a dress they're like oh I love that me too and yeah it's just, it yeah. feels so real and it also the way that it was edited is I mean it's not like a showy editing but the way that they do the editing for comedy is really interesting mm-hmm. uh, yeah the, the, it, it feels like a traditional comedy that comedy that uses visuals and editing to also mm-hmm. like t- crack jokes um, like in that scene where she jumps out the car, it immediately cuts to the title sequence, and it's a a shot of her with a cast on. That's a and on it is written "fuck you, mom." <laughs> like so, it just cuts straight to it. Yeah, I love those. I love those hard cuts, and uh-huh. it's like it shows that Gerwood like trust her audience too to like mm-hmm. kind of just pick up on like where we've been, where how long it's been since mm-hmm. the previous event happened. It's 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 a fantastic movie, right? And really, emotional moments don't feel ham fisted mm-hmm. or sappy. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a recommend. I haven't seen very many like non recommend movies. Oh yeah, me. yeah. I mean, it's that time of year. Yeah. Where, so, yeah. okay. So that was that was Ladybird. What you guys saw? Call me by your name. Correct. I did. That was the only other movie I saw. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, uh, call me by your name. Here's a clip from that. If you don't know what that's about, it's about. Oh God, what is it about? <laughs> <laughs> All right, here's a clip. Here's a clip. So World War Two, huh? Oh no, this is World War One. Huh. You have to be at least eighty years old to have known. It's anyone. not about either of those wars. Oh. <laughs> heard of the Battle of Piave? Battle of Piave is one of the most lethal battles in World War One. 170,000 people die. Is there anything you don't know? I know nothing, Oliver. Well, you seem to know more than anybody else around here. Well, if you only knew how little I know about the things that matter. What things that matter? And that was a clip. We're not. We're leaving on a cliffhanger right there. That was a clip from "Call Me by Your Name." Um, nice. About a American professor who goes to Italy to study and stuff, and he falls in love or kind meets of. a young <laughs> kind boy, of. young kind man. Of. All right, tell me, what did you guys um, think? I I uh, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, it's extremely well acted. For sure, and and it's well written. Like the dialogue and everything is pretty amazing in that movie. Um, I, I think you know, I, I, it's hard to talk about it without really spoiling it. Absolutely. I think. Yep. 
Um, so we, you know, and if, if, uh, if Mitch, you don't end up seeing it, I actually, I'd love to do a, a conversation with you, Colin, about it. Cause it's just, there's a lot to like question in that movie, I think. Yeah. Um, the, the one non-spoilery comment I'll make about it is I saw it with someone who said that they felt like Star Wars really dragged. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> we got out of that movie. And I was like, did that drag for you? Because I don't know what you felt, Colin, but I think that movie is maybe 20 to 40 minutes too long. <laughs> but that's just my opinion. Yeah. I, yeah, no, it does feel long because it, I mean, but my like, the, the complaint about that is also like almost the reason why I liked it because of the way that this relationship is paced out um, yeah. where it takes time to like actually like come to fruition uh-huh. and the brilliance of them like tiptoeing behind this idea and being coming into finding this is, is so so well done and yeah like you said yeah, like i can't discuss really the reasons why i like this movie without going into spoilers yeah um i think the performances are absolutely incredible um timothy chalamet is almost too good in this movie and um army hammer is like just a beam of light throughout this movie and michael schoolbar gives one of the best monologues yeah, I've, sure. I've ever heard in a movie right. um, yeah. that just really just floored me. The last right. the last twenty minutes of this movie are fucking stunning. Yes, they they are, and and I and then that's where it kind of started to pick up for me. Mm-hmm. Um, my favorite part is I, I want to know I want to see behind the scenes about how Army Hammer how Army Hammer s- studied to dance like that. <laughs> Because he gets he gets eighties dancing down to a T. It's pretty it's pretty great. You know, it's funny because like from his point from the kid's point of view, it's like really it's like really attractive and cool Mm -hmm. the way he's dancing. But like, it's cool, but it's also like (laughs) it's so dated and it's really awesome. It's great. I love I love the time period and the setting. It's really fun to go there. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's beautiful looking too, and it's a, it's just an all around beautiful movie. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, it's sad, but it's all, it also was like kind of a feel good. Like it it made me happy in a lot of places, which you know, movies like Three Billboards don't do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the there's and I I'm gonna try to tiptoe around this as much as I can. Yeah. I think you'll pick up on it, Kill. There's I mean, I think it's not unknown that this is about kind of a budding gay romance, but there's something really refreshing yeah, um, about this one. Right, right. And it's not the age difference, but, no. <laughs> but it's how this story um, happens and the bookends to it are, are really refreshing. So I'm seeing Timothy Chalamet get most of the recognition for like acting. Is Army Hammer still good in it? Or yeah, I I, yeah. I mean I think he is. Uh, it's yeah, not. It was great. It's not as like show. It's definitely a supporting role. Right. Like Chalamet, it's it's his movie. Uh, but it wouldn't work without 
Army Hammer as his other part. I mean, he's his rock. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's super charming as this guy. I mean, it's almost like like Jude Law and talented Mr. Ripley, like that really like cocky, like intellectual. Yeah, yeah, that you kind of like confident. You <laughs> you hate them, but you're also like really like fascinated by them, yeah. and it's, so it's a really it's a really well done performance and it's a lot harder of a performance to do than I think it might seem. Mm. Hmm. Um, it looks good. I, I gotta see it. Yeah. Just. I mean, I definitely walked out of there thinking, why isn't Army Hammer in more movies? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, he was in The Birth of a Nation. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. He was okay. He was okay. Yeah, right. He was okay in that. <laughs> he wasn't the best or worst part of that movie. <laughs> Do you recommend Call Me By Your Name, Kel? I do, yeah. yeah absolutely. Again, sure. one of my favorites of the year. Cool. Um, another film that Colin and I saw, I don't think you saw it yet, Kel, The Disaster Artist. Um, I About the making of the room based on the book of the same title. Here's a clip from that. Why are you bringing me here? Why, what do you mean? Team partner. That job? No, not at all. You don't want that. I don't see point. Um, when I... When I get up on stage in front of people, it's like all I can think about is uh, what if what if they laugh at me or if I embarrass myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but you, man, you're like fearless, and I just I, I want to feel that too. Well, it's the same. Uh, you want to you want to do a scene here? Uh, okay, uh, yeah. Good day, sir. Good day. Come on, you have to be louder. Hey, Tommy, I just I don't. Don't worry about these people. They're only you and they're only me. Now do it. Jack. So, uh, so stood, stood he in, in the Greek statue of old, grasping the lightning bolts. Great. Now, we're at the top of mountain. Okay. The rain pouring, wind going. <laughs> <laughs> so that, <laughs> that's the disaster artist. Um, I'll start. I, I loved this movie. Um, I, it was extremely endearing and. It might be the most inspirational film I've seen in a very long time, um, and I think I think the way it, the way it tells the story of how this was made, and I know it I know it um, like fudges on a lot of the like aspects of their friendship, kind of makes things up, but I think it's a really good movie about the filmmaking process and what it's like to make movies, um, and how not to make movies. Because he makes like pretty much every wrong decision you can you can make. He just doesn't understand it. But I found the um, the story in uh, I guess James Franco's depiction of Tommy Wiseau to be very um, I don't know, just very like inspiring and grounding, but also mysterious and just good. I thought he disappeared into it. It was hard sometimes to see Tommy Wiseau like to not see Tommy Wiseau in that. Like he, he embodied it perfectly. And you know, Colin, you say like, it's just unbelievable to me. That is seriously how Tommy Wiseau is or Wiseau or Wiseau is. He is eccentric, secretive, strange. Um, and I think James Franco did it perfectly by also injecting a lot of humanity into him. Yeah. It's, uh, it is a really lived in performance and it's 100% committed to that character, which is entertaining. Uh, 
the movie itself i thought was just very all right to me uh i definitely laughed and i enjoyed some some parts of it and i i enjoyed franco's performance it it was almost too much of franco in this one which franco of, of james which franco. which one yeah, yeah. <laughs> of um of james franco i wish it was even more like mysterious and not as main of of a main character like i wish it was like more greg's i mean and it was greg's perspective yeah but still the movie is dominated by tommy wiseau yeah he's the most fascinating part he is but i mean to me he is super one note the whole time and that's what wiseau is i mean Mm -hmm. he doesn't really show emotion Mm -hmm. so when you have a main character that is one note the whole time and we might get to this with francis mcdermott's (laughs) performance and three billboards as well when it's one note and one thing to do the entire movie it gets boring to me to watch that one Mm -hmm. note the entire movie whereas if he was more of a supporting character it would be kind of doled out to me in smaller portions and i might appreciate it, it a little more that being said i mean the movie takes a long time to get started to me there's a lot of it does take dead space like the, the first of it. half is mostly them like getting to the point where they realize they should just make their own movie mm-hmm. um yeah so I, I understand what you're saying there but like a kale you'd really appreciate like the the scenes on set and stuff I'm sure, um yeah. yeah like seth rogan plays uh the script soupy and um he is sorry script supervisor (laughs) and uh paul shear plays the director of photography and they're just like professionals like super professional there's a scene where he's like so these are all the guys in our network you know that she does costumes she does makeup and you know he's like i'm dp i do your lights and whatnot and he's like okay good you're all hired and he's like oh you don't want to talk about the movie at all and he's like no no we'll talk about it before like as we go lots of time <laughs> and, and uh seth rogan's like hey it'd be nice if i could get a script he's like oh everybody wants a script you get script later he's like okay <laughs> it's just nuts um uh but i i really liked it, it was, like i said i i thought it was really inspirational despite the fact that they made a terrible film but they made a terrible film that people love and, yeah uh, exactly. and i think yeah. I think it helps to have seen the room. Um, if you've seen the room and, and I, well, it's, they're different experiences. If you haven't seen the room, you watch it, you see it and you're like, wow, this is quite the story. But if you've seen the room, it kind of adds to it. Like they shot like 30 minutes of like recreations of the room, like scenes. So apparently they're like, they're going to put it on the, the Blu-ray uh, behind the scenes where you can watch like their creation of the room. Cause at the very end, they, they splice together like the comparisons, like the the real room on the left side and their recreation on the right, and they do a really good job of of uh, recreating those scenes. Yeah, they do. I mm-hmm. I the making of the movie is, I think, the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. But it also felt like almost like the greatest hits like of the Kinda. movie. So I I wish there was more like process part about about it. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's funny. Yeah, it, it I has, didn't not like it. It's just I've seen a lot of other stuff that. Yeah, it has a lot of um, 
there are a lot of scenes in it that like have some pretty interesting uh, things to say about like how we treat people who are delusional. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, and I'll just kind of leave it at that. Like people laugh at him, and and should we be laughing at him, or should we congratulate him for actually going through with it? Because um, there are so many people who think they can make a great movie and uh don't and you know criticize other people like us so (laughs) except for you gail you make movies so what am i talking about (laughs) kind of (laughs) you work on movies Uh, i work on movies (laughs) true i guess yeah all right so that was disaster artist i recommend it i thought it was really funny i think it's a good comedy there's a lot of great lines in it um yeah what do you I'd say you can wait for it to come out on video. I, I guess there, so, yeah. There's a lot can. of other things in theaters I would recommend before I would. How how crowded was your theater? Mm, six people. Oh, see, I had about 30 people in mine, and it was a good time. Like, people were really laughing and feeding off of each other. So um, that's one of those things. I guess it'd be good to watch with a group. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. Um, there's a lot of, like, what the fuck moments. Yeah. <laughs> so. And, I mean, I saw I saw it a long time ago, too. I saw it the weekend. No, I was trying to call you. I couldn't get in the front door. Uh-huh. <laughs> Me either. What's up? Um, Craig, Craig will he'll, he'll hop in here. Craig, what did you think of the disaster artist? That was amazing. Oh, he thought it was amazing. Yeah, I loved it. All right. Okay. <laughs> That's just one opinion. <laughs> I really liked it. You can tell Craig that I agree. Uh, so yes, yeah, so like I said, I saw it a long time ago. I saw it the first weekend it it was here in Michigan, and um, and I liked it at the time. I've just seen so much other stuff that I really responded to, and then it kind of made me think: oh, Did I really like the Disaster Artist or or not? So. I don't know. I probably should watch it again. There's, it, and it kind of made sense that James Franco's speech was so like broy and broed up because there's like no women in this movie at all. Yeah, but I mean, you can't like create a woman character just there were none. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Alison Brie's in it. She has a pretty good role in it. Um, who there? She's also in, in the Post. The Post. Yeah, yeah. and she's married or. Engaged to Dave Franco. They're together. Interesting. I didn't know that. that. Mm -hmm. Huh. All right. So speaking of the post, well, I recommend The Disaster Artist. You kind of. I I, I don't. If I had to pick one or the other, I would say I don't. Okay. So um, The Post. We both saw it. Gail, you didn't see it, right? No, I didn't. (laughs) I just feel like we're just really bashing on Kaleism. Yeah. Kale, you didn't see that one, did you? Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I guess you, if you want to start, you can go ahead. Uh, on I, the Post, starring Meryl Streep, Tom Hanks, all a bunch of other people who are great actors <laughs> and directed by the one of the best directors of all time, Steven Spielberg. What did you think of The Post? I liked it. And I mean, I liked how... <laughs> I mean, it's so... It's so like of the moment, and it knows that it's of the moment. And it's important. Yeah, it, it, you really get that vibe from I mean, it. It knows it's of our moment. Right yeah, now. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, but that being said, I was like totally on board for it. <laughs> I, I love Meryl Streep. I love Tom Hanks. I, 
probably said that many times here on the podcast, but uh, it's it's a it's an enjoyable to me. It was a very enjoyable movie, and it um, really swelled up to like I thought like a very meaningful uh, point to me, and it has a huge cast. The acting across the board is great. Maybe my favorite Meryl Streep movie I've like acted movie I've seen in a, in a very long time. I thought she really uh, did a good job digging into this character, who's um, a very interesting character, um, and goes through kind of a an interesting journey um, from how she should approach and handle this situation. Whether it's totally true, I don't know. I don't really care. Yeah. All I care is if it, I was entertained and and um, enjoyed it. And I did enjoy it. I thought it was a, a really good movie. The first 20, 25 minutes, half hour, felt like it took a long time to get started for me. But once it got its like gears going, I was I was very into it. See, that's interesting because I found the first 20, 30 minutes to be the best part. Um, like I said, important. it's an important film in the least sense of the word. <laughs> um. I found the rest of it. To what be does that mean? Like it's, it's so on the nose, um, and it only scratches the surface of journalism integrity and journalism pro- uh, process. Uh, like I kind of mentioned it, but as a journalism film, it fails. I think completely. It doesn't go into like investigating. They just kind of come across stuff, and. Um, I, I I don't I think the film is more about the transition between journalism as being like the buddy they're like buddy buddies with the presidents and the government and now they're like ah we can't do that anymore because they were lying to us even then um, right. and yeah yeah because like Ben Bradley played by Tom Hanks who is the editor of the lead editor of the Post he was friends with John F Kennedy like good friends with John F Kennedy and right. even John F Kennedy was lying to us about Vietnam. So they they kind of go through that. It's hard not to talk about spoilers when we're talking about a real life event. Um, but the the whole film revolves around the the ch- choice of the Washington Post to to print and publish segments of the uh, the Pentagon Papers after the fact that the Times of the New York Times already did. New York Times was barred by the White House from pr- continuing to to publish and then the post it all leads up to this moment where the post decides yes we're going to publish them too and they go to the supreme court i don't understand why this movie had to be about that why couldn't it have been about the new york times like they were the ones who who started it and started working on stuff because it's because it's the rogue one of all the presidents men. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was a direct prequel to the all I've the presidents men it literally, yeah, the way it ends, it's like... We're yeah. in Bernstein walk in and they go, yeah, no. we like to work here. It's so That is such a weird ending, though. It's just like... Yeah. That, it was the very... The movie? The lit- no, yeah. no. <laughs> that's not how it ends. But it ends with the security guard, like, walking don't, through... Don't tell me how it ends. <laughs> Have you ever heard of Watergate? <laughs> <laughs> well, I know how it ends, but... I, it just said odd, like... It was almost like a you know a Marvel ending. Like, <laughs> it was like, dun, dun, next time, yeah, on the post, like a like a teaser <laughs> after the credits. It yeah. was very weird, um, but I I was not really impressed with this movie. I was pretty bored. I thought it was like 
lit weird. Um, that's a that's a very specific complaint, but um, Spielberg likes to light things very harshly with backlights, extremely bright behind, and it's like what is who turned the spotlight on in this cafe? Um, so I I had noticed it. Uh, maybe it was just very I was very into it at the moment, but I I'm not like I don't know I I'm not totally impressed with it. I found it to be very corny and um, eye rolly at times because like as for like I said it scratches the surface of journalism and movies like all the president's men and spotlight are just way better movies about journalism than this yeah I think if you're looking for a procedural um, how things are done movie Spielberg is never going to be your <laughs> your your choice to tell that yeah. type of movie it's a very sanctimonious film yeah yeah it I mean it's feels super Spielberg-y but I also really like that um it, it it's it's yeah. what it sweeps me up in the moment the music the way it's lit the big monologues by your main characters about what's right and what's wrong and what we should do I mean I I, I, I can't help but to get caught up in it when it's like melodrama but it's melodrama to me done really well um I just mm-hmm. respond really well to that yeah whether it will end up in my top 10 list, I don't think it will. Yeah, I don't know if it will mind. But uh, I, I, I still appreciate it. I think it's the costume design and production design mm-hmm. are really great. I really like the way it was lit. And um, it's, it's very Bridge of Spies looking yeah. to me. I mean, it's, I'm sure it's uh, very Kamin- gray, kind of cold look. Kaminsky or Giannis. Kamin- I, I don't know who Spielberg Was that who did it? He, typically, he's it done like a lot of Spielberg. So I'm assuming yeah. it's the same person. Right. I did like the stuff with like the actual publishing of the paper, like how, like that that stuff was cool. It showed us like how they actually did like, it, like type out type and, out yeah. the the molds and or the pre- the printing presses kind of, and then how the machines all work was very cool. I don't think I've ever seen that, so that was neat. But <laughs> but uh, I I felt the the like political message kind of got pushed in there. Like Meryl Streep's character is. She's a very rich heiress, basically, of the paper. Mm-hmm. Her husband and father owned the paper before her, and they died. Now she's in charge. Um, the whole movie, she spends time getting kind of walked over and like saying she's going to do something, like she's going to lead the talks with the bankers to get funding, and she, you know, let's, she trips up and doesn't do it. She chickens out. But then, like, I feel like she's pressured into these decisions by the men in the movie. I mean, they're the right decisions, but like not after some really good persuading by, you know, Tom Hanks and some other characters. And then she makes the decision. And then when they're walking out of the Supreme court after they've won and you know, they can publish these, there's like, she's like walking down the steps and there's a scene where she's being like, she's surrounded by like women who are like looking at her like, wow, what a lady. But I didn't feel that for her after the fact that like she wasn't a pioneer she just kind of to me it felt like she was just there at the time and made the decision she should have made oh i 100 percent felt the opposite really the the number of shots where it's shot from her behind opening a door and opening a door to an all men boardroom Mm -hmm. that is i mean it's very much designed for that yeah and to where at the end where she's walking 
down the steps of the Supreme Court and she's finally surrounded by women. I, I that was one of the moments that actually like really like kind of choked me up. I mm-hmm. mean, the whole movie she's in this room of men trying to find her voice and how to say it. I mean, and that's why I think this character was done by Streep is so good because you feel that she wants to say something, but she doesn't know if it's her place to say something in this group of men and how they're going to respond to it mm-hmm. until she finally does. And mm-hmm. yeah, it might take some coaxing by some other male characters to get her to that spot, but I'm sure it's a, that it was a big fear for her at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I find it interesting. I liked the aspect of the story that she was friends with Robert McNamara. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. Yeah. So she was like friends with, uh, you know, she's rich. <laughs> she's friends with other rich people. Right. Um, I, that was my, one of my favorite scenes was the scene between her and Robert McNamara where she confronts him and mm-hmm. says like, you knew that we were failing in the war, even when I sent my son there. Like um, uh, that stuff was really good. And the guy who plays Robert McNamara I forget his name. Bruce Greenwood? Yeah, I think so. I, has he played really? has I he played so. Robert McNamara before? He looks incredibly no. like him. He looks exact Bruce, Bruce Greenwood, I don't know. Bruce Greenwood played um the John F. Kennedy in thirteen days. <laughs> mm. Oh. Interesting. Let me find out. Yeah, it was Bruce Greenwood who played him. He looks exactly like Robert McNamara. In fact, when, yeah, weird. Um, when he, uh, when he first came on screen, I knew it was Robert McNamara before they even talked about it. Um, <laughs> it was just interesting, and and they, I really did actually like how they used, um, they used clips from the Nixon tapes about what was going on Mm -hmm. so the shot is of like richard nixon through the window of like the oval office on a phone you know and it just playing that clip like the clip of him talking about is that really that's that's the real those are the real recordings yeah yeah so yeah you know like that's son of a bitch i I didn't know yeah i i like that because it's like oh shit yeah he really did not want that that's where it became relatable like that the president hated the press yep. and wanted to destroy it um so you're like all right cool this is where we are now and yeah, when he bans the post from ever entering the white house like yeah, it's like whoa that's happened literally happened last year yeah. <laughs> yep exactly so, <laughs> exactly so um yeah I, I recommend it after the fact like watch it on demand or something i don't think you need to go to the theaters to watch this um it's a Spielberg uh, history piece with a lot of sweeping inspirational music. It's what you expect. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, I don't think you need to rush to the theaters to see this, but uh, yeah. I, I, I responded positive to it, so I would recommend it. Right. So I guess that's that's the post. Um, Kale, you've got some work to do. <laughs> I do. You got a lot of catching up to do. Right. Um, but I did see. Are we there? Yes, we are there. Three billboards outside Ebbing, Missouri. There's a mix of like Oprah and like. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. So we all saw this. And let me play a clip from Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Could pull blood from every man and boy in this town over the age of eight. There's civil rights laws prevents that, Mrs. Hayes. And what if he was just passing through town? 
Pull blood from every man in the country, then. Then what if he was just passing through the country? It was me. I start up a database. Every male baby what's born, stick him on it. And as soon as he'd done something wrong, cross-reference it, make 100% certain it was a correct match, then kill him. Yeah, well, there's... Definitely civil rights laws prevents that. <laughs> so that that's uh, Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri, with Francis McDormand and Woody Harrelson. Colin, what, or Kale, do you, you want to go first? Kale goes first. Kale. Why? Because we've been going first the whole time. Yeah, we've been talking this whole time. I'm getting tired. <laughs> okay. I would just say that I don't think that this movie is as good as everyone says it is, and I also don't think this movie is as important Abhor- abhorrent as everyone says it is so i'm kind of in the middle like i en- you know I, I enjoyed watching it i guess i meaning i was engaged the whole time and uh it's definitely well acted and dialogue in scenes is well written i don't think the script itself from a larger standpoint is particularly well written um but um you know mainly i kind of walked away being like what why did i what was the point and i and i still haven't figured it out like what it's trying to say um, I think there's a lot of problems with rooting interest in this movie, if there is any, and if you're supposed to root for some people that I think, you know, it just doesn't really work in this day and age, to be honest. It seems like a dated movie, I guess. Like, I could see this movie working really well in the 80s or 90s, but um, I guess some shit doesn't fly the same way it does anymore. And some of it maybe, had, you know... You know <laughs> I think that maybe too this year in movies we're kind of seeing things that were made that were you know planned to be made a year ago or two years ago don't really jive well anymore <laughs> and now yeah. they're being released and uh it just doesn't feel right but and I think this movie might fall into that category yeah I would that's say it's opinion. it's morally ambiguous that's for sure um yeah um let me think so I like I'm kind of with you Gail I, I liked most of it. Um, I don't think it's as bad as people are saying, and I don't think it's as good as people are saying. Uh, I walked out of it not blown away, not upset, just kind of shrugging my shoulders like, oh, there's some problems with that. And I I kind of... It, it felt... I don't know. It felt like it was directed and written by two different people with two different uh worldviews and tastes like there's good dialogue and then there's bad dialogue and then there's great dialogue oh, what's yeah. that you yeah, know i keep going yeah and then there's just strange choices of character and strange choices of um direction and editing that just kind of you know took me out of it at times um so I thought, you know, I thought it, there were great performances, though, all things considered. Um, but then again, the script can ruin that and make you think a, a bad or a good performance is bad. Um, so they did what they could with whatever was written, and I think they did well. Colin? Oh. <laughs> I, I really did not respond well to this movie. And... Maybe it's not as bad as I'm going to make it sound, but I was going into this movie seeing glowing reviews of this movie. And when I'm watching it, when I, when I was watching it, 
I'm like, what? What would what, what people, how did this happen? And then when it was over, I was even more frustrated to why it received such great reviews. Mm. Uh, it is, to me, a super poor man's Coen Brothers Tarantino hybrid with no one to root for or who's doing any believable actions anything yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah like choices that characters make and that well, might but be not, the theme not only that, but... but it seems to i always like i just feel like the only thing in this movie that would actually happen is the billboards thing yeah you know mm-hmm. like other than that everything doesn't seem like it seems like it's way outside of the realm of possibility yeah you don't know whose side you should be on. The movie is so confused with that. And it's just gotten really great reviews. It has won awards, like we said. And I am extremely confused and frustrated with this movie. Well, to start, I don't know if the I don't know if Martin McDonough wants you to pick sides with anybody in it. because um, all these characters, save maybe Woody Harrelson's, are not the best people. Um like I said, I think it's morally ambiguous and you have to decide what to take from it. But I don't think it does a, a good job of getting you to that position. Because um, a lot of characters seem like they, they're just abhorrent and they are abhorrent and then they go through changes and you're kind of like, oh, you're still shithead, but I can see that there's something glimmering there in this character. And then there's, like, even Frances McDormand's character, I did not like. No. Like, she is nuts. Like, we heard that clip of her, like, she's angry. And I think I think that's another part of this film is anger and what it, what it brings you to do, the choices you make from anger and those consequences. But there's better ways to do it, I think. Exe- yeah. Execution is not the, uh, it's, it's um, positive. Yeah, the movie's not clever or smart enough to, you know, handle this, these situations in any profound way. Mm. And we're not even talking about how this movie <laughs> handles race. <laughs> yeah. Well, it handles race, but it <laughs> there are, aren't really any um, characters that are people of color or there there are, but they barely talk and barely have any say in it. Yeah, I mean. Like, race race is such a huge undertone to this movie and it is used to define other characters other white characters and you have one black character who's an appearance in the first part of that of, of this movie gets arrested storyline goes away we have no sense of time how long this person's been in jail for or even what they're in jail for exactly and uh, Basically, and then they yeah. come back. They pull up on the side of the road. They're like, "I got out of jail. Everything's great." Yeah. And we're like, "Oh, yeah." I I don't understand why Francis McDormand's character couldn't have been black. Right. Like if, if that changes yeah. everything, it changes everything, mm-hmm. and makes everything more interesting. One hundred percent more that, interesting. Yeah, and it's just bizarre, like you're saying, that you have a movie that's kind of about race. <laughs> um, yeah. That. You know, there, there's two black characters in this movie who who really aren't involved. Oh yeah, oh, I totally forgot well, about the three black characters. There's the sheriff, the new sheriff too, <laughs> who you thought would like come in and would, like, like and have a big role, crack the whip, don't... and it has one. He scene. has one crack the whip scene. <laughs> yeah, which is a 
ironic phrase for, for <laughs> oh, no no that's unintended um yeah ah mm. um um i just think that you know and on the point of tone and and moral ambiguity it's they just he, he's martin mcdonough's towing a line here that not a lot of people can do and you know basically it's the it's the line that like the coen brothers are really good at mm-hmm. and so humor it just doesn't it just doesn't work like it's yeah. you know these scenes that are supposed to be funny that just aren't doesn't land and you know the charm of this part of the country and their and their their ideology that's you know you know, that the Coen brothers seem to find, right? They seem to find that parts of America that aren't normally on screen and they show it to us and it's something that we wouldn't usually identify with, but they find a way to make it endearing. Um, yeah, you don't believe this, that anyone in this, this town actually speaks the way that they're speaking. That's, yeah, that's the other thing. <laughs> For sure, yeah. Um and it just seems like, and Mitch, and going back to your point about it, it seemed like it was directed by two different directors. It seemed like, and, and this is what I don't understand, I just don't get when it wins best screenplay or when it's even up for best picture, when it, it just objectively feels like a... A, re, you know, a re-edit that wasn't completely re-ri- yeah, rewritten. it doesn't feel like a complete movie. It feels like things, you know, storylines are abandoned and... Um, you know, there's no consistent, you know, at one point there's a flashback and at one point there's a Woody Harrelson voiceover. Like, there's no consistency at all. And it feels like, um, in the storytelling and the perspective, and it feels like, you know, it's um, Francis McDormand's movie. And then, but then somewhere near the end of it, all of a sudden it becomes Sam Rockwell's movie. Mm-hmm. It just seems, it doesn't seem like a well put together movie. It seems. Yeah. And and with the tone too, like there's moments of humor, and then moments of like sap serious. Like there's a line, short in the beginning, shortly after it's all, you know, the billboards go up, and Woody Harrelson is like tending to his horses, and he says like, he, he's like completely silhouetted in the background, and he looks at his wife like really serious, and he goes, "There's about to be a war," and I like literally like backed you know like shook my head like what where did that come from and then we get to just being you know like coen brothers silly or not silly but coen brothers natural talking speaking um it was very weird like does this want to be a you know i don't i just don't know well absolutely yeah it's the way it handles like serious topics but like plays them for laughs is uncomfortable to say the least right so usually there's that scene where he's saying like you know it's not n-word abusing anymore it's people of color abusing right is that what the line was yeah yeah Yeah. something like that yeah which is supposed to be like okay are we laughing at political correctness or (laughs) you know like that's not political correctness that's just you shouldn't say any of that you know what i mean yeah and like it's a, a very weird thing that i don't know if we're supposed to be laughing with him or at him it's it's kind of give you kind of feel like it's one of those uncomfortable laughs if if you were laughing right 
Yeah. And I mean, then there's a scene with domestic violence where people are like holding knives. Oh to God, each that scene was the most clumsy scene I've ever seen. And then like you have this like, like, I mean, they play it as like a bimbo ditz, like walk in and like be comedic levity to like people holding knives to each other's throats and it's like ugh, mm-hmm. it's so all over the place yeah and was, we haven't even talked about woody harrelson's wife <laughs> which was yeah <laughs> what yeah. It, it did seem a little out of care or out of place to have an australian <laughs> wife in the middle of what's she doing here heartland america <laughs> Yeah, she's like strange. the Snoke of this movie. Everyone's she's like, what is her background? Yeah. How, does, how does she get here? Right. Um, I, you know, I think. Which is maybe unfair to assume that she wouldn't be in Missouri like that. But, <laughs> but it's guess, just yeah. so out of place. But yeah, like given like a small town sheriff's accent, you know, it just doesn't seem like where would he meet this woman? Why would she be? Maybe like St. Louis or Kansas City, she'd be there and they met. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, there's no. I would have liked to know a little more about that. There's but. no <laughs> anything about her. Right. Right. And then there's like, like was that a know, character whole... choice? No, she's her? actually Australian. Oh, so she just probably couldn't do an American accent. Maybe. Okay. Very possible. <laughs> All right, just keep it. There was like, and then there's just this like really weird, you know, super sexual stuff with them that felt like it was the wrong movie yeah right? they just leave their kids like on a beach to go have and then sex he, and then he like you know we get to hear his suicide note which like 80 percent of it is about how great sex was last night yeah right it was a little weird i that part of the that speech was very odd but i did like the rest of it um i thought that was a pretty like powerful scene and in, in the sense you know this guy's writing his final thoughts about um his life and his wife and stuff and uh I found it pretty emotional. That was a very emotional scene, but you're right. You don't you don't normally put a narration in a film. Um, it yeah. doesn't have one. Yeah. yeah, it doesn't have one. And uh, I, that part was very different, but he wrote like three letters. He wrote the one to his wife. He wrote the one to Sam Rockwell's character and one to Francis McDormand's character. And yeah, but it's not called three letters inside Ebbing, Missouri. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Um, but I like, I did like, I liked his letter to Sam Rockwell's character because um, he knows Sam Rockwell's a big fucking idiot. Uh, and I just found that that dynamic interesting. Um, cause Sam Rockwell, his character is, well, an idiot. Um, a racist, stupid, dumb mama's boy. With a heart of gold. Yeah, I mean, but... <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, people are complicated. And yeah, I people think, are complicated, and it's okay to have a movie with a character who is racist and ends up not being racist. I mean, how many movies like that have we seen? Yep, There's tons. a million movies like that. But yeah. it, this movie seems to suggest, you know, no one really, you know, who, why does he change? It's basically because of Woody Harrelson, I guess, right? Yeah. And then it I just t- seems to suggest that his, I don't know, like his racism is because he's stupid, right? We're like that's a really well. I mean, reciprocation and like his mom. Not the point obvi- of racism. Obviously, his mom had a say in it. I mean, racism is learned. You're not born mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. Right, it's a system thing. And then this seems to just suggest that 
you know, like other people in this town aren't really like that. Yeah, no. And I, you actually get that vibe, which is weird. That like people in that town are really progressive. Like some people, right. like the kid, and like Woody Harrelson seems to be pretty level-headed. Which mm-hmm. I don't really know if that that it doesn't seem like that would be the case. Yeah. <laughs> no offense to Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah. Which I think is a real place, right? I have no idea. I didn't bother to look that up. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's very hard for me to find any sympathy to someone who is mentioned. Well, it, one is shown being racist, two shown being extremely violent and throwing people out windows, and three said that they tortured a black person in custody. Right. Like, oh, oh I'm sorry. You've like committed a serious crime that is police brutality has been dominating the news cycle for two for the past two years if not longer and now it's being used as a joke number one and now i'm supposed to feel sorry for this character and believe in that he gets a redemption arc and that his redemption is deserved no it's not i don't know if it's deserved again i think you know, some movies are movies where you root for people and other movies are movies where you just observe um, people. And I feel like that is what right. McDonough is trying to do. Yeah. Um, I wasn't rooting for anyone, really. Um, but I guess uh, speaking, I, we're already in spoiler ter- territory. Um, but the, I like I did. I like Sam Rockwell's character for the most part. I mean, he's abhorrent. Uh but he does show that he has something he's capable of changing. And, you know, whether you agree or not, I, I do think that makes him compelling in a sense. Uh, so when he gets severely burned and he gets saved and he get he saves the, the case file after listening to, to um, Woody Harrelson's, like, message to him. Not listening. We listen. But he reads Woody Harrelson's message to him. I think like, you know, a change comes over him and he realizes like, well, I should try to be like Woody Harrelson's character or Chief Willoughby because as like a father figure, he never had. So, which I, I, yeah. you know, I, I like that part of it. Again, execution is everything in film. I mean, you can have the greatest idea and do it right or do it wrong and that matters. Right. I, I just think, and I, I agree with you, that like some movies are just, you know, observing people in a sort of documentary fashion, but just like a documentary, um, you do form, you, you have, after you observe people, you're supposed to form some sort of narrative, you know what I mean? Or some sort of point. And like, I guess people can change is one thing that this movie could be saying, but it takes on larger problems. Like, really big issues in this country so and it doesn't seem to really say much about that i guess like it goes so into like rape and the way the rapes are investigated well i mean it doesn't i guess it doesn't really go into that but it doesn't really end up with any it's sort a of comment on it i mean for the, but what's the comment that police don't do anything about rapes i guess that's the comment I, but like it doesn't get into much of anything i guess like <laughs> It well, just gets into, isn't this really shitty that yeah. this happens? It, it's shitty. I mean, 
you hate to say, but there, there much, isn't much that they about the subject matter to to know right. what what point I'm trying to get out of it. But I guess I wish it, a movie like this would have, right. you know, I guess I wish I, I wish I learned something. I didn't really learn anything. Yeah, and that is the problem with the film is it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really take much of a stance. So, I mean, is it taking a stance that like, yeah, this rape case was horrible, but like he says in the movie, there's no evidence there's or there's no like dna there's nothing we nobody saw her we can't put anything together so it's just something that happened we have nothing to we can't do anything um which happens unfortunately uh but then we are <laughs> we are given a scene with what we would assume would be uh the bad guy in a in the gift shop that Francis McDormand who, is working. who who is Brendan Sexton third. I gotta give a shout out here. Yeah, because he was the lead in uh, New Money, the movie I produced. Oh, yes. Yeah, it's very, very cool. Can to he see. explain cool himself to, to us? <laughs> What's that? Can he explain his himself to us? Nah, maybe. Yeah, maybe I'll reach out. <laughs> sure. I mean, he did a good job with what was given to him in this well, movie. He, well, yeah. No, I thought he did good. Yeah. But but it, the scene makes but it no was a sense. Bizarre, it's a bizarre character. So yeah. like, yeah, this guy threatens her and basically admits to committing this crime. Not only in this scene where he threatens her, but in a scene in the, the latter half of the film where he's at a bar talking to his friend about how he raped and murdered a girl, and his friend's like, "Dude, no way!" Like, <laughs> I know. like if anybody you knew told you that. You would have to be as abhorrent, and this guy didn't seem abhorrent. His friend didn't seem like a bad guy. Um, so he basically tells this guy at the bar that this he did this thing that matches the description of what happened to Francis McDormand's daughter. And Sam Rockwell happens to be in the booth behind him, and he happens to hear it because at this point he's been fired. Um, and he does like a really inter- like fascinating and like kind of like good thing where he he takes upon himself to investigate and get some DNA from him it, it, to get his ass kicked and, uh, and then we find out the DNA that he gathers none of it matches any of the DNA on the, at the scene and like so what the fuck what was that <laughs> like what the biggest like red herring yeah ever? like <laughs> but but or are we supposed to believe that it was him but the DNA just doesn't match because it's not good enough or like the DNA they had they extracted from the scene wasn't right and it didn't match up right. Like, I, I just that part was so confusing to me. No, I mean, well, they seem to imply that he did rape someone, but it was overseas. Overseas, yeah. Ah, it was like during the his time. Maybe. Yeah, like yeah, that's. Yeah. I thought that was the implication. Yeah. Why yeah, he yeah. Why he goes into. Uh, her shop to threaten her yeah that's that makes no sense mm-hmm. yeah so yeah other so other like, than other than to confuse the to make the audience think that he did it right he should have just turned and winked um yeah that that's if it was overseas then why the fuck would he threaten this random woman? how would he know that this random woman is especially if the fact that he lives in was it idaho or utah yeah yeah <sighs> what brought him there yeah i that <laughs> again I like about 60 to 70% of the script. <laughs> and then a lot of it feels like two movies. Um, and it's just the whole the whole bar scene is just ridiculous. Like, he's sitting there being like, oh, I totally raped this girl. And, like, he's not even looking around to see if anyone's listening. Like, yeah. y- you know, even if you were going to do that, which, you know, even though Woody Harrelson says, yeah, that always happens. Someone 
bragging about it in a bar and you know you're like does that really always happen is that what happens god um what percentage of cases i'd like to say no but uh yeah i'm sure it happens i don't know i've been to a lot of bars (laughs) yeah well you've never been to these bars (laughs) yeah i I guess i've never been to ebbing missouri which i still haven't i I still haven't confirmed if that's a real place yet (laughs) um i feel like we should talk about Francis's performance, since it right now it seems like it's the front runner to win the Oscar. Yeah, it was really good. I mean, she's amazing. She's really good. Really good at swearing. Good swearer. Mm-hmm. She is. She is really good in it. It's just, I just really hated that character. Do you think that in your mind would you not vote for her because you think the character is kind of weak? Well, yes, number one. And number two, I think, just think that there's also better female performances out this year, too. So Mitch? Hmm. Sorry. I was trying to figure out if Ebbing, Missouri was a real <laughs> real place, and it doesn't look like it. Yeah, I don't think it is. Um, yeah, she's good. But, uh, again, I, it's like what you're, you're giving what you're – uh, you give out what you're working with. <laughs> That's not how it's said. Uh, <laughs> Is that how it's said? Yeah, you're, you're you dealt put out. Yeah, what you're dealt the cards that you're given, and you do the best that you can with them. And I think she did the best that you can. I don't think it's the best performance of the year. Yeah, agreed. Especially that line when the billboards are on fire, and she's running, and she yells to her son. Robbie! <laughs> yeah, there's a little chewing in that movie. I mean, I mentioned this before with... Chewing the scene. Yeah. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thanks, Cal. Uh, <laughs> I was talking about James Franco's performance. It is... She's she's given one thing to do in this movie. and I mean, she delivers on doing that one thing. But it, to me, it doesn't make for a compelling character. And, you know, for the first... 25 minutes I, I was into her and i was into like what she was saying and what she was going for i'm like yeah fuck it yeah stick it to the man and then when woody harrelson sits down with her and it's like lays out the facts of the case you're like oh she's oh, crazy okay well she's just crazy and that angry. settles that yeah. <laughs> like, but, you know and also what i think is interesting about you know she got one thing to do um you know she she basically plays like she plays a big huge asshole in this movie like she hates everyone and she's rude to everyone and in you know at the expense of getting the one thing that she wants and she um has you know no sense of decorum or or patience for anyone and you think oh, okay that's reasonable because of what she's been through but the one scene you get from before the tragedy in her life she's the same character yeah yeah and and now you're like okay so maybe some people don't change (laughs) right you know she basically was a huge asshole before that happened so you know to the point where she wishes her she vocalizes the wish that her daughter will will get raped and you're like what (laughs) yeah that's a really (laughs) awful thing to say just seemed so so overboard depressing and shitty like something uh, like a film student would write just to be dark and then, yeah, for her to come out on the other side of that and not have, like, a realization moment of self-examination is so strange. Hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, the, and the end is ambiguous in that, like... <laughs> what are we supposed to take away from that? Well, like, we don't know if they go through with it or not. They basically get in a car and they're like, well, he lives in Idaho. Let's go find him. <laughs> Let's go commit murder. <laughs> yeah, to go kill this guy. Uh, and it it's just ends that way. I did think... I, I mean, I already said it, but I think Rockwell is very good in this. Um, and he probably will win Best Supporting Actor. I mean, <laughs> whatever. He he does a good job. It's just the the character is written weird. Um, but I I do think that Woody Harrelson is really good in this. And um, as a small town sheriff who is a good person and who's dying of cancer, uh, like that scene where he's interrogating Francis McDormand and he coughs or sneezes and like coughs up a bunch of blood all over Francis McDormand's face. That that threw like a huge wrench and like th- where that scene was going mm-hmm. and it's just done really well. Like his reaction, how embarrassed he was and how like, ec- like understanding she is like that just felt really real. Um, and I think just, I just think his performance is really grounded despite the strange lines every once in a while that seem like they're from like a noir film. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm. if there wasn't this movie wasn't interesting enough, we also had to have a cancer plotline too. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Cancer, suicide, or a murder, murderous <laughs> dentist, domestic violence, yeah. drugs. It's just like, it's just so relentlessly depressing. Where you just kind of, I think, just when a movie gets like this, and I felt the same way with Manchester by the Sea. But when yeah. it gets so 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 depressing after two hours, you're just like. Now I don't even care because it's just there's no I just felt in this movie that there's just no redeeming anything like I, I I don't know I guess I guess you kind of feel like at the end that okay sure they should go kill that guy because <laughs> he raped someone so yeah well, let's get some justice yeah that seems fair yeah. but you don't see it and you don't you don't have the there's no, there's just no satisfaction in this movie. I don't know. It's... I guess it was satisfying to see those billboards burn. <laughs> <laughs> um, you guys watch It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I've like seen a few episodes. <laughs> Max mom is, uh, Sam Rockwell's mom, mm. and it's literally the exact same character. <laughs> oh, she was great. She should win Best Actress. <laughs> She, she was pretty good. She, she was amazing. Yeah. Uh, she's um, very good. She's been in films for a long time. And she's good in It's Always Sunny as like a really trashy, scary, gross mom. She um, only does movies or TV shows where the where the setting is in the title. Yes. <laughs> um, I, uh, we should probably wrap it up. But yeah. So what do we think of thoughts. the... Oscar chances for this movie, and uh, I, I, I'll, I'll say first, it's going to win the SAG Award for Best Ensemble, probably. And, they, and then it's going to be the winner of the Golden Globe, the winner of the SAG Award, going into the Oscars. But the Oscars aren't until March, so there's and the nominations don't come out for another two weeks. So there's a full month for people to realize how awful this movie is. <laughs> yeah, I think that's I think it's exposure we were kind of mentioning it before. The exposure it's getting now is going to be a detriment to it when it comes time for voting. Um but I still think that Sam Rockwell will 
win or at least be the heavy favorite. Um, but I think that's it. I don't even think the screenplay is going to carry over. I think it will. And I, I think, think you guys are going to be disappointed. Yeah. Possibly. I think, I think it's going to, this momentum's going to carry. I, I, I don't think that, but I mean, I do think Rockwell will probably get it, which is awful. Cause I do think that like a thousand actors could do that part. Well, yeah. Well, and I also. But he's incredibly just, deserving of an Oscar at this point. So is William Dafoe, and William Dafoe. Willem. Fucking, he kills it in the Florida Project. That's what I hear. I, I, shit, I gotta re- write that down because I need to see that still. Like, it's just also, oh, he's so good in that movie. Like, just like the actor who could, a bunch of other actors could do that role. I just, I feel like this movie just, just easily better. So many better movies. Like, it's not even a question. Yeah. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming was a better movie than this movie. <laughs> was the acting better? Probably not. But it's a better script. Like, it's just... And it's, you know, it's it has more complete. It. Yeah, more complete yeah. script. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just, it, I just get really frustrated when movies like this kind of, you know, it's, sweep up awards when I just don't get it. Yeah, it's a shame because I think... I like Martin McDonough. I love yeah, In Bruges. In Bruges is seriously one of my favorites. And yeah. it also it tackles I mean, there's not like any serious moments. I mean, unless you can relate to accidentally killing a kid. Um spoilers. Uh that movie's been out for over ten years now. <laughs> um but I think like that movie does comedy and drama like a black comedy so well, um, or dark comedy, whatever the term is, it fluctuates. Um, it does it so well, and this one, it. I mean, I'm looking at like IMDb and Wikipedia, and it describes this film as a dark comedy, crime thriller. And I'm like, oh, okay. I mean, there are funny moments, but yeah, mm. yeah. Mm. I'm, I'm like going over. I, I keep a list of all the movies I, I see. I actually think it should get best supporting actor for that CGI deer. <laughs> Ugh, terrible. That looked so bad. When I saw it, I was like, oh, my God, did they let that go through? (laughs) They said, good enough, and print. Yeah, that was bad. Yeah, I have Ebbing, Missouri out out of my top 30, even. like That's how far down it is for me. You saw 30 movies this year? Oh, yeah. Don't I? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen about 25 or so. Um, my, my last, my last, my last point on this movie, uh, I just, when Sam Rockwell gets up there and, and is like preaching about, wow, it's, well, I got two things about it. It's so amazing to do an indie movie and you, you people, we, we put people in the seats. People are still watching this. My first question is Sam Rockwell, you're a fucking huge actor. Like, what are you talking about? Like everyone sees your movies. Like that's. Bullshit. I don't. I don't know what he's referring to. Like, what indie movies is he being in that no one's seeing? Did anybody see Moon? Yes. It's kind of a cult. A, a cult, lot of people saw hit. Moon. Galaxy what? Quest. I said that's like a cult hit. Moon. Galaxy yeah. Quest. Uh <laughs> I love that movie. Me too. But like you know, Seven Psychopaths and shit. Like people saw that. It's not like they didn't see those movies. And also, like you're an indie, but you're not an indie. Like, <laughs> yeah, 
this is not like this had a, a budget I, to pay these actors. Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's I think um I could be wrong. I think it's Fox Searchlight. Yeah, it is. It's, 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 look at the distributors on here. I mean, it's like crazy. Like it's a 20th century Fox movie. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's it's not an indie. I mean, you may have funded it with with independent financers, but like, man, I just it really b- bothers me. Like, oh my god, it's amazing that people will go see this. It's like, yeah, the way way back is a bigger indie film than mm-hmm. more of an indie film. Than this, I mean, I don't know this for sure, but like, Lady Bird probably is more of an indie film than this. I think isn't it a twenty four? Yeah, a twenty four. They're Which, killing you know, it this year. I don't even know what that means anymore, but it's more independent from studios than smaller budget than this movie is i mean i mean uh, the amount of people in this film have to push the 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 budget like way high but anyways that's my that's that really grinds my gears Hmm. yeah so i guess do you do you guys recommend three billboards outside ebbing missouri I recommend it in the sense that, like, you should see how awful this movie actually is. But no, I do not recommend it. It's one of my least favorite things I've seen all year. Yeah, I kind of don't. Yeah, it's. I don't really recommend it except for yeah to see. Well, I guess I recommend it if you if I know you and uh, I'm curious what you think. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to to know what you think. I feel like I could judge a person how they. What the response to three bull, three billboards is, whether I'd get along with them or not. <laughs> yep. Well, that's, so that's more like, three billboards. More like, more like three negative reviews <laughs> <laughs> coming from all over. Well, it's just it's funny. Like we talked about a lot of movies today, and I more or less recommend a lot of them. Mm-hmm. And this is like a very hard no for me. Yeah. Like it's rarely do we get hard no's. Yeah. So I don't it's like probably because we just don't like to waste our time yeah, watching a horrible I don't movie. Wanna, yeah, I don't want to spend money and waste my time to see a bad movie. So, okay. Hello. What? <laughs> Hello. Dad. Hello. I lost you for a second. Oh. Oh. Well, I hear I, you now. I'm just kind of going in and out. Uh-huh. Okay, so I guess um, that's that. Let's do our monthly <laughs> our recommend <laughs> episode recommendations. Colin, you go first. What do you recommend? Oh, I forgot. I forgot that we do this. But what I've been watching, uh, they just put comedians and cars getting coffee on Netflix. So I've been watching that. Uh, big fan of that. There's a lot of movies too on Amazon um, that have re- released this year that were pretty well received. Uh, a Quiet Passion with Cynthia Nixon is on there. Um, the Marvelous Miss Maisel obviously is on there. Um, Big Sick on there. I feel like I recommended that last week, though. So, yeah. But I've been watching Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee. And also David Letterman just uh, released his Netflix show. Yeah, I um, watched that. Cool. Kale? Um, I just want to say that the, the Godfather is on Netflix, which is kind of cool. Um, also, I, I finished season two of Rick and Morty, and uh, I think that show is as good as everyone says. It is so a fantastic I, show. I, I do recommend it. That's all. Yeah. Uh, uh, I am going to recommend. Oh yeah, that's right. Planet Earth Two is on Netflix. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that? I will recommend it. That's really well shot and interesting. Um, but I recommend um, a a ser- documentary series, Errol Morris documentary series on Netflix called Wormwood. I found it very 
very dark and fascinating. It's about, um, well, it's documentary, so it's an interview uh, based or interview focused, but there are recreations, like dramatic recreations in it, starring Peter Skarsgård um, and some other people. And uh, the I also recommend a show on NBC called The Good Place, which the first season is on Netflix. I think mm-hmm. it is very funny and very smart. And um, Kristen Bell and um, Ted Danson are very good in it. Ted Danson, I seriously... I know he's very funny, but and he's funny in Cheers and like Becker, but his recent stuff. Becker. What is it? I'm just laughing at Becker. Yeah, I for, forgot that was a show for a while. Um, but he he is really funny in this, and I think Ted Danson has just gotten funnier as time has gone on. Um, and that's all I'm going to say about the Good Place because I think you really need to watch all of it. Like all the first season is so bingeable, um, yeah. And a lot of people say it's hard to get into, but yeah, Liz Liz watched the first episode and doesn't want to watch it, but I want to watch it. Yeah, it, I it, the first there's a lot of really good, um, like just philosophical questions in it that I think uh, make the the episodes, you know, worthy of repeats, repeat watches. It's not ju- it's not your typical sitcom, that's for sure. High concept. Amen. Okay. All right, really quick before we leave, Liz, what did you think? One, one sentence. What did you think of Three Billboards? Hated it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Liz. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, so that's Three Billboards. <laughs> <laughs> that sums it up. <laughs> there we go. We just put that in the front. Yeah. And then, and then scene. Scene. That's um. Right. All right. Well, it was great, great talking to you guys. Sorry, we're not in person again. That's um, all right. Um, I guess I have I, a lot. I of almost prefer it this way. <laughs> you prefer, yeah, I prefer it this way. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I'll, I'll do my homework and uh, I'll get back to you guys with, with my thoughts on all those movies. And uh, next week, let's do another one. Yep. Yeah. Well, let's try. <laughs> I don't know what is coming out. I just need to see Phantom Thread. There's way more than I need to see. I Tanya for one. Oh yeah, yeah. See that? Yeah, I'm seeing that today. Yes. Are you really? I think so. We got screeners. Ooh, oh, good for you. I God, screeners are the best. Although <laughs> movies like Blade Runner 2049, watching that on a screener is like a joke. So, I mean, yeah. if you have the chance to see Blade Runner 2049 in theaters at like a second screening, or if there's a theater still showing it. That's like the only appropriate way to watch that movie, unless you have a great TV and sound system. Well, I thought the same way about Dunkirk. Yeah. But then I bought it and I watched it with my family, and none of us spoke through the entire thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, Ooh. "Oh, cool. Well, that's good." Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, then, right. yeah. Go for it, Kale. Uh, if you have any uh, comments on movies we've seen or that we should see, email us at woodwardsfilmcast@gmail.com. For Count and Mitch, I'm Kale. We'll uh, see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.